Good morning and welcome to the Cannabis Minority Report podcast powered by the National Cannabis Industry Association. I am stepping in today for your regular host, Khadija Adams. Uh, Khadija couldn't make it today. She um, is, uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on in Khadija's world. Uh, and we just uh, sang out good thoughts to Khadija as she gets everything in a row over there. But I'm really happy to be able to step in today to, uh, to take you guys on a little bit of a ride today that we're going to have with our special guest today, who I'll introduce in just a minute, Neville Lewison. Uh, really excited for that conversation. I've been talking with Neville for a little while now, and really great that we actually get to make it into a so-called an official conversation here on the Minority Report. Um, just to, for those of you new to the show, uh, the goal of our show is to highlight minority entrepreneurs in the space and to share their to share weekly news updates as well as about you know what's going on in the space uh, regarding minorities in the industry as a whole. Um, the, this is NCI's way of supporting minorities in the industry. Uh, we interview minorities and women entrepreneurs, companies that support social equity and social justice. Uh, social equity applicants, <laughs> excuse me, uh, themselves. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, when we return from our commercial break, uh, we'll catch you up on the latest news as it relates to minorities and cannabis. And we'll be speaking with cannabis entrepreneur Neville Lewison of Soulful Silverback. We're going to learn a lot more about their journey into the industry right after this. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, they favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. All right, sorry about the sneezing if you're there live with us, um, but uh, we're back here now for the news segment. Got a few things to report on. Uh, the first thing to report on is just really proud of the organization of the NCIA uh, and especially our DEI delegation. Uh, last week, we had our lobby days in D.C. It was the first one in about three years uh, due to, you know, all of the uh, the complications of the last few years. Uh, but we had a great amount of uh, our members turn out. It was, uh, you know, an amazing, amazing event. I personally was not able to attend, but I've just heard one story after another that was really about, you know, positivity and about just how awesome of an experience it was. But and, and again, as I mentioned, really proud of, of our DEI delegation. We had several of our members here uh, that are part of our organization um, that are social equity applicants or operators from around the country. And they really did a great job representing not only our organization, but also social equity applicants and operators from around the country very well. Uh, we um, as, as an organization, we are committed to continuing to develop that initiative within NCA because we want to make sure that, you know, um, when we do our lobbying, that we really do represent diverse perspectives and especially with an industry that has really done very little to make sure that social equity applicants and operators are actually at the table in a meaningful manner. It was really important for us to make sure that when we're doing our, some of our most important work as an organization, which is our lobbying in DC, speaking with congressmen, senators in their offices, that we do have uh, representatives from around the country. And to be clear here, the representatives that were there uh, were, were selected and chosen for these scholarships because of their uh, amazing advocacy work, both within NCIA as well as in their own state and local municipalities. So really some great minds and leaders at the table. 
and looking forward to getting some more folks out there next year as well and continue to build this movement. So um, so that's the first thing I definitely wanted to, to mention on the news side of things. Some other stories, uh, a couple of little things. So, I mean, not so little depending on where you are. Uh, so Michigan, I just saw a story has a, a new interim director for their their for their state agency, uh, Andrew Brisbane, who's been in the role for a little while, um, I guess, has stepped down and um, and they have somebody else stepping in um, now. Uh, you know, so important state just to throw out here because Michigan has been has had their legacy market for a really long time. Uh, depending on how you define the legacy market, uh, they've had the medical market for about 10, 10 years, 10, 15 years, I want to say by now. And of course, they had adult use uh, implemented in the last couple of years. So having a new state director, we're going to see again, we're going to be watching and seeing how does that unfold. Uh, Michigan, now Detroit, of course, is a different story within Michigan and Detroit has had their own concerns and issues around uh, equity and legacy. Um, but I've heard a lot of good things over the years about Michigan as, a, as, a, as an overall program, uh, having a little bit less uh, when we talk about barriers to entry, a little bit less barriers to entry than some other states such as nearby Illinois. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how having a new director at the helm will, will change things hopefully for the better and just continue to improve and grow and Michigan can hopefully become a, a good uh, steward of what uh, proper, a proper early stood up industry looks like. So uh, more things to come as we learn more about, you know, who, who and how uh, Michigan is running. Uh, but keep your ears peeled for that, especially if you're out there in the Midwest. Um, let's see another couple of things here. I jotted down. So, I, you know, something else I want to throw out here is I, I, I didn't have one story I want to lead with here. But I feel like in my newsfeed over the last few weeks, I see a lot more about all these sustainability issues. So I just want to kind of throw a plug out here for, for those of you that are not really sure how to get involved with sustainability and what that means in cannabis to start really doing a little bit more due diligence, uh, myself included. Uh, when those news stories start coming in around sustainability, it's time to start opening our eyes to that. I say that in the cannabis industry specifically because um, as we start to get more states to adopt what we're doing here on a, on a legal level, so to speak, on a regulated level, uh, sustainability is going to become a major issue. And it's not just for the cannabis industry. You're starting to see more federal regulation and also local regulations around more sustainable practices, whether it's energy consumption or whether it's how we treat employees with, and staff. So I think that, you know, if you're a cannabis entrepreneur and you're in the space, it's not, it's never too early to start looking ahead and thinking about how your company can be more sustainable. Cause the reality is also that your company is probably going to have to become more sustainable in order to stay compliant. Just another thing we need on top of all the other compliance issues that we need to have in order to keep our licenses. But again, like I said, just something to keep your eyes and ears open to. Um, and on that side of things, of course, a more sustainable planet and a more sustainable industry is a way that we can really show others how we can make a difference with this industry for good in so many different ways, not just on the, the, the use of the plant itself, but how we steward the plant and the growing of the plant. So um, I think I have one more thing I wanted to bring up on today's news. Um, let's see. So uh, I guess I, I must have, I must have, uh, no, no. So apologies for that. Uh, it looks like I, I, I closed out the story that I was planning on on sharing. So uh, the last thing I'll note is that um, I'm out here in Thailand, got here just a few hours ago. So over the next couple of weeks, I'm hoping to be able to report on some of the things that are going on out here. I'm really excited about just what the industry is doing in general globally. And Thailand is looking to be one of the leaders uh, in this, this new movement of cannabis worldwide, really uh, last year, I think it was when they made it, uh, you know, when, when they legalized was, was just a really momentous occasion, especially if you consider uh, when you consider the fact that a lot of these Asian countries out here have been very, very adamantly against uh, cannabis with very harsh draconian laws. 
So seeing a country now is taking the lead and saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and legalize this, especially a country with such a rich history in cannabis integrated into the culture. It's going to be really interesting to see. And I think, uh, you know, what I'm curious to see is just kind of what kind of opportunities ex exist for people uh, that are coming from the U.S. Uh, that have been building the industry in the U.S. Maybe there's it's even easier to get a brand going out here. Who knows? Um, all the challenges in the U.S., a lot of them are, have to do with regulatory issues. So and cultural issues. So really curious to see what's going on here. So I'll have some more report on Thailand, what's going on with Thailand over the next few weeks um, as I continue to dig into things out here. So with that all said, uh, let's see, we have here, as I mentioned, Neville Lewison. So we're going to take another break here real quick. When we get back, we're going to introduce Neville. I'm I, Again, I'm really excited to talk with Neville. Neville is one of the most brilliant people that I've met. Uh, and I say that, I don't say that lightly, uh, you know, and everybody I know that, that meets Neville says pretty much the same thing. So really curious to see uh, what Neville's got to say, say and share with us today when we get back and we'll be right back. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, they favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space. Because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes, and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. So we are back today, and I am, like, as I, as I keep saying, I am really excited to, to introduce Neville Lewis in here today. Um, I actually had the pleasure of meeting Neville in person earlier this year in Brooklyn when we when we did uh, when NCIA uh, partnered with um, the, uh, the 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 HBCU uh, College to Careers initiative uh, that Green Enterprise has been putting on. Uh, and so I got to meet uh, Neville over there in Brooklyn in uh, at Mega Evers College, which is uh, apparently right down the street from where Neville grew up. So anyway, um, Neville, uh, just really, really stoked to hear, have you on the show here today. Um, I know you got a lot of different things going on. We're going to get into that in a second here. But if you could just give um, our audience here just a, a, a little bit of an idea of like, you know, who you are and what got you into the industry. I think that's really what, what how we can get started. So uh, welcome to the show. And tell us about, you know, uh, it's, uh, tell us about your company. Uh, tell, tell us about who you are and how you're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm really honored to be here and kind of chatting with you. A um, little bit about me, uh, as I as I kind of always start, I'm born, raised, and still live in Brooklyn, New York, uh, Fort Greene specifically, and that's a, a big part of my story. Uh, my parents met at a party in Brooklyn. I'll get back to that later on. Uh, and, and I'm the oldest of four. And so I started my career uh, in New York City at American Express, working on payments with a lot of retail brands um, like Nike, Saks, Neiman Marcus. And then I had an opportunity to live in Sydney and Singapore as well uh, while I was there and got the real passion for technology in that project and came back and started working for Salesforce, spent the next seven years in technology. Um, and so then uh, I moved uh, to the Netherlands where I was able to kind of live and start my own consultancy, the Soulful Silverback. And we'll get more into the, the origins of, of the brand there. But, uh, you know, seven years in payments, seven years in technology, and now looking to really bring that to the cannabis space. 
uh, in terms of bringing my professional experience into the space. Um, and I'm really excited to be you know, uh, helping the New York City ecosystem in terms of all the things that I'm looking to accomplish with Silverback. I appreciate that. And, and this is what we need in the cannabis industry, right? Folks like yourself that have these very rich and diverse backgrounds of experience, whether it's professionally or globally, being able to go around the world and get to bring di different perspectives into the industry. Um, yeah. Now, I know that recently, uh, on that note of going around and bringing things back to New York, you went out recently to uh, to Washington State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, you know, we're jumping right in here, right? So yeah. tell us about, you know, like, tell us about the, the, the Silverback uh, brand and, and yeah. why going to Washington, what, what does it have to do with New York and how you're building a brand in New York? Yeah, so I started this Oval Silverback five years ago. Uh, at the time, I was working for Salesforce, and I overheard two gentlemen um, over talking about what was happening in the New York State Legislature and what was preventing a bill from being passed. And so having my technology background, I really started thinking about that, and that's where the Oval Silverback brand came to life as it was really looking for a place to just, um, you know, have fun with some of my passions, my background in payments and branding and technology, really wanted to see what I could be able to develop. And so I wanted to write my story, uh, you know, very Hamilton-esque, who's going to tell your story? And I chose that I would be the one to tell my own story. So I started really writing and finding my writing voice. And, and what came out of that were some challenges over the years that I've had struggling with race and racism. And so knowing that I wanted to get to cannabis. I wanted to be able to write a la Dave Thomas, who created a brand about his daughter, Wendy, uh, or Melinda, actually. And so I wanted to create the Soulful Silverback and have it be about a real person, a real Black person with uh, real experiences that I think in media, we've seen a lot of uh, affluent uh, uh, Black folks. And I think we've kind of seen uh, folks who've, you know, been, have more socioeconomic struggles. And what I really wanted to do was just tell an everyday story uh, about a, a regular small guy from Brooklyn. Um, and that's what kind of came out of that. And in doing so, I also am a technology consultant. I'm a writer and a technology consultant. And I've, I've been very successful in terms of signing a lot of software infrastructure deals with a lot of large brands, David Yerman, Planet Fitness, Nike, so on and so forth throughout my career. And I really wanted to bring that to um, the, the cannabis space. And so, Mike, you and I talked and you had an opportunity to connect me with the retail team uh, at NCIA, the retail committee for just a, you know exploratory conversation. And one of the leaders that I met there was Stella. Uh, Shannon Veto, uh, uh, just a, a great person, um, but also an exceptional leader as well. And we connected and kind of just shared high level about the things that I was building. And we had an opportunity to meet at Benzenga down in Miami. And when we met there uh, over the course of three days, we kind of talked about kind of some of the challenges that um, every retailer experiences from a retail perspective, which is my career and expertise. And so we talked about, you know, uh, you know putting together a project where I can go on board and help them across people, across their business process, and across technology. And the output of that was a really awesome experience, not only for myself, uh, getting, you know, one of the first cannabis, my first cannabis client, I've had many retail cannabis clients, but my first cannabis client, but also bringing to life a lot of the pain points that retailers have that are similar to, you know, your everyday favorite brands that are having as well. And so having the opportunity to bring my professional experience to life uh, at this opportunity that, you know, largely happened through you, Mike, and NCIA. So I'm, I'm very grateful, but also the output 
of what uh, you know um, we were able to deliver is excellent and something that we want to continue as we look to uh, get into the exciting New York New York State marketplace here locally. No, I appreciate it. I appreciate all that background to you. And, and yeah, happy to help. I mean, we connect people all the time here at NCA. It's one of the things we do. But I got to say, not many folks uh, jump on that those opportunities the way you have and and really understand that, you know, I think what I really appreciate about you, Neville, is this more holistic understanding of what it's going to take to succeed in cannabis. Like understanding how to really lean into all your different strengths and experiences uh, and not minimize what you have, like, learned over decades of experience really in different industries and figuring out how to kind of synthesize that and take it into cannabis and through a holistic lens. So um, I do want to hear more about New York, but before we get into that, um, you know, I think uh, one of the things I failed to do here today was just, uh, can you tell people like just in general, what is the brand in, in, in itself? What is Sofa Sofa Silverback? What do you offer right now? Uh, and you know, what's the goal for, for Sofa Silverback? Yeah. yeah. Great question. Sofa Silverback is effectively about my parents. Uh, my mom is a soulful woman from Brooklyn. Uh, very Latin mom, uh, very colorful, uh, great dancer. My dad is from Grenada, uh, a steely-eyed Grenadian uh, who's very hardworking and quiet. And I think in a way, both of them have always represented to me the duality of mankind and that you could be soulful, but you could be quiet. And I think that re that brand story is what I started. And so as a writer, uh, very four work streams, if you will. We have our current storytelling and writing products. So if you go to thesoulfulsilverback.com, you'll see my first ebook that I've released called Chaining Day. Uh, it's a collection of 12 essays that I've written about my experiences with race and racism. Uh, also, uh, two from a consulting perspective, leveraging um, my professional experiences over the last 17 years to consult brands, retailers, cannabis companies on how to improve people process technology from a business operations perspective. And thirdly, now as the New York State, uh, you know, is getting underway, uh, the, the cannabis uh, um, marketplace is getting ready to launch. We're looking to secure uh, distribution licensing in the cannabis space, match with the, you know, really powerful um, enterprise technology that I have a career and expertise in building and configuring bespoke solutions uh, for um, companies of all sizes. And so bringing that into the cannabis space is also something that kind of encapsulates the kind of four things that we're doing. Writing, technology, consulting, uh, and cannabis distribution. If uh, we're so blessed to be able to secure licensing in New York State in the coming months. Awesome. Uh, beautiful. Big, I love the big picture thinking, and I love that uh, one of the things we talk about here, and, and you'll you hear me talk about in general, and a lot of my different uh, projects that I'm on is don't worry about, don't make your business model and plan just contingent on getting a license. Uh, yes. And you've done exactly that, right? Is that mm -hmm. if you get the license, great. If you don't get the license on this round, I mean, hey, it's okay in the sense that you'll keep figuring it out. Of course, we hope you get the license on this round, but you'll keep figuring it out because you have these other aspects of your business model to keep building the brand. I know you got a clothing line, I think I want to say, coming out. Uh, yes. Support it. Yeah. Yes, great, great mention. Uh, so uh, the team that I've been able to build has a lot of experience uh, coming from one of the greatest American brands, Ralph Lauren. And so uh, both uh, our gentleman who leads operations as well as 
our head of creative have that experience and background. And that's the type of products and apparel that we're looking to bring to the space. Right now, you can uh, purchase apparel on Amazon. We built a partnership there being in the Amazon uh, Black Business Accelerator program. I was accepted there. And so really looking from a brand perspective to get the message of what I'm building out there and leveraging apparel um, uh, to do that. So kind of the T-shirt that I have now. Uh, is available on Amazon as well as on my own site, uh, thesoulfulsilverback.com. Um, but it's also a nod that the marketplace is really hungry for more Black brands and Black owned and Black stories that are resonating with the marketplace that are very real. I think that one of the reasons why I started Soulful Silverback is because, you know, growing up, success was uh, for athletes and entertainers. Uh, I'm a decent singer, not that good. I was a pretty good hooper, not that great. And so uh, from a business perspective, I want to bring, you know, the mind that I've been blessed with to the cannabis space to be able to make a splash uh, in, you know, what is a, a very exciting um, time in, you know, American industry, right? How many times can one say that they can be a pioneer and stick their flag into the ground, so to speak, in such an exciting industry? I think, you know, probably not since the Industrial Revolution have we seen such opportunity. And so I want to be able to capitalize on that as a Black business owner, but also as a Black person who I think exemplifies the man that I wanted to see growing up. That's not an athlete or not an entertainer, um, but someone that is built a brand on uniting a community and understanding and love. Uh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and this is why, like I said, like, you know, I was excited to talk with you. I know your vision, your heart uh, and your brain. All, you put all those things together. And, and uh, I, I want to know where Neville Lewison is going to be five years from now. You know, um, I believe <laughs> Silver, Silverback is going to is going to really, uh, you know, make an impact here in the industry. Um, sure, you know, so that. absolutely. Um, so on that note, uh, you know, how, how are things going in New York? I know that there's a lot of, you know, uh, talk about, you know, making sure that justice of all folks get their licenses, that, uh, the communities that were over-policed during all the stop and frisk, uh, you know, policies, even before they called it stop and frisk policies, um, have been going on for decades in New York. Uh, so, you know, can you tell us about kind of how the process is going out there in New York and New Jersey, even with the licensing and uh, what, how you're navigating those waters? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, as a native New Yorker, I have navigated this jungle in a way where I've been stopped and frisked. I'm from East Flatbush, Brooklyn, uh, nearby the Sears. And from that perspective, you know, I grew up in a community that was over-policed and I was able to make decisions um, that enabled me to get to corporate America and have those experiences. But if you pause there, I still had New York City police officers put their gun in my face. Uh, and that is a trauma that I live with, right? And so from an equity perspective, um, I think towards what I read while I was living in the Netherlands, which is the most progressive bill in the country, in terms of the words. I read that bill like it was a Harry Potter book. Uh, and I think, you know, what I saw there was something that was not only knowing that it was the most progressive bill in the country, but that New York City can be a shining example for what equitable cannabis looks like in this country. 
And although they may not have written the bill with a person in mind, I know that my profile going from corporate to cannabis is something that I believe is a great value driver, but also something that can inspire others to be able to go out and achieve their business goals and dreams. We know that this is not going to be trapping with a license. It's American capitalism, it's commerce, it's reporting numbers and speaking to the street, it's legal compliance. It's all these things that as we think about folks who are going from legacy to corporate, how can we meet in the middle and share and exchange my professional experience with those legacy experiences and help one another? When we bolster that New York City ecosystem in a way where we come from a place of togetherness, as I've written about in my last piece called The Soulful Soliloquy, we will make this ecosystem quite the city on a shining hill that we know that New York State can be. So we have some challenges early on. There are things in the rollout that I think are being delayed, but we know that with every enterprise or any corporation, they're going to be delayed. So you know, the team that I've amassed, we're patiently waiting, both from a technology development standpoint, as well as a license application standpoint, to see where will the regulations land for distribution licensing, and then be really bullish and intelligent about attacking that license, but also going on a listening tour to continue to listen to farmers and potential retailers who are looking to get into the space and set them up for success day from day one, not only from a compliance perspective, but also from a audit, a, an auditing perspective, because that is going to be coming from American Express. I can tell you that Uncle Sam does not play with their audits. And so that will be something that from a distribution perspective, as I look to bring together cultivators and retailers, something that we provide value with, with the technology offering that we're, that we're giving. So the little bit of time that we have is kind of helpful for the David in the group, as I know that there are a number of MSO Goliaths that are coming from the West looking to get into the New York City marketplace. But, you know, we got five stones and we got uh, our bellies full and, you know, our eyes are clear and we're ready to rock and roll. So we're waiting for these regulations to come out in the coming months. Um, but we're staying at the ready for the opportunity so that we can be able to deliver the value and tell a great brand story along the way. Wow. Yeah, again, man, like, like I said, uh, you know, you have a way with words uh, verbally uh, <laughs> as, as well as uh, your blog, man. Uh, I've been I've been checking that out over the last several months now since I got to know you. Uh, and, and there's a lot of gems in there. Um, you know, I got a question I want to ask you in a minute about that. But I just have to highlight a couple of things real quick is you said you read that bill like a Harry Potter book. Right. And, and that, that's something I think that if everybody really understood the value in doing that, Start yeah. thinking about your bills and your regulations. And if you if you want to have a license, if you don't have a license, it's, you know it's not as important, right? But if you're if you're looking to have a license or to work with license operators, then I think that's it right there. Like, don't just approach it as something you have to do. Approach it as something you want to do because it has mm -hmm. all the gems, the nuggets, and the fun in there. That's going to let you be able to build uh, from then on out. Um, yes. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, no, appreciate uh, these perspectives. Uh, the, so one thing I want to ask you about is um, I am going to ask you about the blog at this point, actually, real quick. So uh, yeah. with the blog, a lot of great stories uh, that, that you really put out there, you know, and, and some of them are, you know, they're not great stories necessarily just because they're fun. Some of the stories are, are great because they're actually really, uh, you know, they, they can actually be triggering for people, right? They can be uh, pretty intense. Uh, so would you like to share, you know, maybe, uh, you know, with, with some folks here, like 
any any particular stories or anything particular that's come from you, maybe from the experience of building the blog, what that's been like, and to kind of write these things out, you know, on, on that personal side, what has that been like for you to put these kinds of stories out there? Yeah, I it's 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 been you know as a child I was always loved writing and and the what words can the power of, of the written word. My mom taught Shakespeare uh, to her English students, and so um, I've always kind of been. Um, you know, loving of, of words. And so with that kind of in mind, James Baldwin is one of my great heroes, right? And he has an interview that I kind of have that I've featured on the Silverback where he talks about what the country has paid for the cost of segregation and that this wall went up, right? And that, you know, non-white folks had to peer over that wall in order to understand and operate and navigate through this country. And so we understand more so than the other way, which is white folks looking into our world and seeing coming to our dinner tables and and understanding how we live. And what you'll understand is that we are not much different from each other. Yes, we are all human. And so that's really what I try to get to when I write for The Silverback is, is telling my story in a way where people who see me, who may meet me, may not think that there is a person that has these you know, vulnerable ideas and emotions because what we've seen throughout this country is how people have disregarded the black body. And so I, in my writing, want to share that there is an emotional man here that has dealt with many things that I know a lot of other folks have dealt with. My father is a very quiet man. And I think about writing in terms of giving voice to things that I think that he might have said, wanted to say. And so from that perspective, I, I try to write to give voice to that experience. And that's been a painful, but it's been a joy in terms of getting across and how my writing has impacted and touched folks. And, you know, throughout my career, whether it be at American Express or whether it be at Salesforce or Microsoft or Sprinkler, people have asked to talk about these experiences that are, you know, hard to talk about. And, you know, I started saying, you know, like any good professor, you need to read my syllabus to understand that when I'm getting emotional talking about these things, either anger or sadness, or that it's coming from a place where I'm reliving a trauma of something that's happened to me. You know, I'm six foot two, 250. Uh, I'm a big boy. And so I've had some of the worst of what white America has to say and do to a person happen to me. And, and I want to be able to share that story so that we can begin to heal as a country. Nothing can be faced until it is seen. And I hope that in my writing, people can see not only me, but see our community with more detail of this beautiful mosaic of 42 million Black people that we have in this country. How can people see us more clearly and understand our humanity? And that's why I write. Man. Yeah, like if you're inspired by that, then uh, listen to it again, right? I mean, you know, th that's why we have these on recordings because that that's inspiring. Uh, no, well, I and I, I don't say that trily. I say that it really it's important. It's really important that that these you know I, the thing you said right there about you know the voice of folks like your pops, right? Uh, people that maybe uh, for whatever reasons, whether it's stoicism or whether it's you know just not having a voice at certain tables or just being fed up with or tired of certain situations. Right. Being able to have somebody that can take uh, these experiences and really put them into a language that I've read your blog. I mean, that actually really speaks to I, I, it's. It's so interesting. It's one of these things where when we talk about this in marketing, right? It's like you have to really speak to your your really target audience. 
but at the same time in such a way that everybody else can benefit. So, um, you know, I, I think I really want to encourage our, our, our listeners or viewers here to, to go check out this blog because I think that it will really help elevate all of our minds. Uh, so, Neville, thank you for putting this out there in the world. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, and then on, on a fun note with the, uh, with the blog, um, one, of the, one of the most recent stories that they captivated me was, you know, I'm a big basketball fan. So yeah. I saw that uh, you got to shake the hand of a Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and, you know, and, 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 but it was the way you described it. And I was like, wow, yeah. Like, uh, you know, other people told me about meeting up with this person or that person, the celebrities in the industry, you know. But um, I, I'd love to hear your take on what it was like to meet this Hall of Famer specifically and just kind of, you know, in cannabis and then write about it on a blog and so on and so forth. So if you could tell us yeah. about that experience, yeah. that'd be great. Uh, yeah. I, you know, it starts with courage. Uh, and, um, sometimes, you know, it's difficult to muster the courage to be able to walk up to someone and just introduce yourself and say hello. Um, but I went to Benzinga and I was walking through the lobby and I had no intention of meeting Isaiah or seeking him out or anything. But it just so happened that as I was going to the restroom, like he was walking toward me. And as a hooper myself, you know, I've won two city championships here in New York City. I, I, I hooped at St. Edmunds, uh, number 42, never lose on. Uh, but from that perspective, when I see, you know, one of the NBA legends and icons walking in my direction, I couldn't pass up the opportunity to, to shake the hand that has delivered over 9,000 assists. So I'm thinking as I'm walking up to what are we going to say? What are we going to say? And so I was like, man, I really wish that I would have watched you and your point guard skills as opposed to watching Bill Lambeer work his footwork in the post. And he gave one of his like big iconic, big smiles. And, I, you know, I kind of was just going to keep going, you know, to walk to the bathroom. But he stopped and took an interest in me and said, hey, what are you doing down here? And I it said, I'm a writer and a technology consultant. And he perked up and I just continued. And in that moment, it was like my own confidence was birthing within myself because I had never said this out loud to another person. So it was, you know, formulating the words, but also formulating the words, this legend um, in the NBA, this legend of business, this legend of TV personality, another black man who's about my height, uh, you know, build a beautiful legacy for himself and so that was amazing if you say this of uh, the soulful silverback there's also um a piece that i wrote about uh, stefan marbury so it was like my second nba legendary point guard that i've kind of written about and you know it was really exciting and when i shared with him what i was writing about i had invoked how you know we've seen this moment come during reconstruction when you know black folks all over this nation were promise 40 acres and a mule they never got the mule and the, sorry they never got the acres and the mules released they were taken back and so when i said that isaiah big smile on his face he goes uh keep writing and educating folks on our history young brother and hearing him just give me that word of encouragement i think was really special moment for me because it validated the courage that i had had to muster up um, and that this you know man of power uh, you know, um, wanted to continue encouraging me from a writing and, and technology perspective. So it was a special moment from one hooper to another, um, but certainly 
one that probably has eight thousand less assists. That's awesome. Yeah, man. No, that's that's, that's inspiring, and, and I think this is a story that really can resonate with a lot of folks, whether you are a basketball fan or whether it's Isaiah Thomas that you're you know trying to walk up to you. But just the the concept of you know like you went down to Benzinga in the first place, not knowing what to expect down there. Um, and, you know, and, and just made sure that you open some doors up for yourself just by being you. I think that's a huge lesson that people need to understand is that right now, like, there's all this idea of having to be something in the cannabis industry, having to be this, having to be that. And I think that, you know, what you're really highlighting there is the importance of showing up as yourself. And you will meet other people that something that, that goes that goes by the wayside here is that other folks that have decided to get into cannabis who may be further ahead than you also have a little bit of that pioneering spirit also have a little bit of that openness to things being a little different to creating a new paradigm and so something i said recently in a room was exactly that is that we might think sometimes these doors are closed because maybe traditionally in times they were but in reality in cannabis those doors can fling open a lot quicker if you just have that extra perseverance and i'm I'm, look i get it like it's challenging out there and It is not, I'm not trying to paint rosy colored glasses and saying, hey, all you need to do is just, no, I get it, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But at the same time, you're also an example here of opening up, go open those doors for yourself. You know, whether it's Shannon Veto out there in in, in state of Washington, whether it's uh, meeting a a Hall of Famer down there, that even if if nothing else were to ever come of that conversation, just that conversation alone has the kind of inspiration that we need to continue to fuel ourselves on this journey as entrepreneurs. So, you know, on that note... um, you know, first off, definitely want to make sure we get your, your information here for folks. Uh, how can they find you? How can they find you? Get in touch with you, the blog, all that jazz. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you can find us at thesoulfulsilverback.com. Uh, there you can read um, and download the ebook for free. Uh, you can also be able to, if you're interested from a consulting, business consulting perspective, also be able to find 15 minutes on my calendar on that website as well so we can talk get to know what your project needs are and begin to figure out what a roadmap of success would look like. Thirdly, you can always, of course, purchase our apparel. Uh, we have more apparel coming out in the coming months for holiday that we're looking to feature uh, both on Amazon as well. So sign up to subscribe to be on the lookout for when those product drops are happening. Uh, and then finally, you know, share our story, put out good vibes in hopes that we can be able to get a secure distribution licensing and attract uh, the investors, the right investors that we're looking for. Uh, I'm going through a pre-seed uh, raise right now uh, and looking to secure up to you know one to five investors in this round. And you know, if you know folks, send them send them our way. Uh, but we're, what we're building here is really exciting, and those are all the ways that you could support at thesoulfulsilverback.com. Awesome. Thanks for sharing all that, Neville. And you guys heard it here, right? If, if you know anybody, if you yourself are an investor, but if you know any investors that are looking for projects to invest in that they can really believe in, I know we talk all the time about, you know, like Shark Tank. If anybody watches Shark Tank, we look for the, the right founders. When investors look and they look for the right founders and, you know, people that have good heads on their shoulders, that see the bigger picture, that have a great vision. Uh, you know, I can't speak uh, specifically to Neville's numbers and stuff, but based on everything else that I know about Neville, I'm pretty sure the numbers and the and all that stuff is going to line up too. So Absolutely. reach out to this guy because I think that that you know it would be a, a great opportunity for anybody to be able to, to get in on that at the ground level. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know that that said, uh, Neville, really again, just want to thank you for coming out here. Is there anything else you'd like to kind of share with our audience before we head out today? 
No, I would just say this has been a, a great conversation. Thanks so much, uh, you know, for having me. Um, I would say, you know, in the silverback uh, vein, to continue to not only um, spend time to get to know yourself from an authentic perspective so that you can go out into the world and be your most authentic self. And then in a very soulful way, continue to build and develop a community that's, you know, united in understanding and love. And how do you do that? It's through conversation with folks that are like you, but also not like you. And I think in that way, you know, toke something up and, uh, you know, <laughs> for certainly has some great conversations. And that those are the things that I would leave with is authenticity, courage, and love and understanding. Awesome. No, definitely. Can't go wrong with that. Uh, so appreciate you again. Uh, so just um, so thank you, Neville, for joining us. Definitely wish you success. We'll hopefully get uh, an update from you, you know, a few months down the line, six months down the line. We're going to check back in with you. In the meantime, all of our listeners out here, be sure to subscribe to the Cannabis Minority Report podcast via Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or any of your other favorite platforms. If you'd like your products highlighted on the Cannabis Minority Report podcast or your services, or if you'd like to run your company's 30-second commercial during our show, inbox Khadijah Adams at info at We'll be right back with some closing thoughts and words here. Thank you, Neville. Well, here at the National Cannabis Industry Association, we have proudly represented small businesses across the cannabis industry since 2010. We represent Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. We have come so far in this fight to legalize cannabis that it seems that it's almost inevitable. And we're the ones making sure that as those rules are written, they favor small businesses, mom and pop operators, and Main Street Cannabis, not Wall Street Cannabis. In addition to making sure that your voice is heard at the federal level, being a member of NCIA also means building a vibrant community of small business owners within the cannabis space. Because we can always learn so much better by working together, learning from our mistakes and our successes, and building this industry together. So if you're interested in making sure that small businesses and Main Street Cannabis has a seat at the table, be sure to join NCIA at thecannabisindustry.org. All right, so be sure to check out NCIA's member news blog, our member spotlight series. Our most recent spotlight was actually about DC and our members heading out there. We're gonna have a new spotlight coming out really soon about what the experience was like for our members that went out to DC for lobby days. So definitely check that out. Um, if you like, as I mentioned earlier, if you'd like to be a sponsor of the Cannabis Minority Report, please email Khadijah at info at khadijahadams.com. And to remind everybody here, the mission of the DEI committee is to educate, advocate, and engage and empower the community of cannabis and its members by cultivating partnerships with other nonprofits with similar goals, providing resources that create and sustain an environment that is inclusive, equitable, and diverse. We are committed to building a culture that respects our members and celebrates their contributions as we work together to strengthen all communities in cannabis. So until next Monday, and next Monday, I'm pretty sure we have another great guest lined up. Uh, I can't remember who it is off the top of my head, but I know it's going to be a great person because I just sent, spent a good amount of time making sure we have a great lineup. As you can tell, Neville, awesome conversation today. I just want to say again, you know, mm -hmm. if you if you missed the first part of the podcast, go back and check it out because Neville had a lot of great gems to drop today, a lot of great knowledge and wisdom uh, for this man that is building something in the industry that will make an impact. So until next Monday, I'm going to close out like Khadijah does. Peace, love, and hippie stuff.
The Cannabis Minority Report is a production of the National Cannabis Industry Association and its Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. We are hosted every week by Khadijah Adams and Mike Lamuto. Our executive producers are Aaron Smith and Vince Chandler. We are directed by Vince Chandler. We are produced by Bethany Moore, Vince Chandler, and Khadijah Adams. The Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee is focused on recommendations that will create access to opportunity for those most adversely affected by cannabis prohibition. Don't forget to like and subscribe here on YouTube, on Facebook, or wherever you happen to be listening to the show. See you next week.